we get this second reading once every three years. So once every three years, I have an opportunity to preach on priestly celibacy and what a gift it is for the church and why I think it's something that we should guard very zealously as a church. And I want to make three points this morning. The first is that this is an evangelical council. The second is that it is of apostolic origin. And the third is that it allows us to have better priests. An evangelical council is a lifestyle or a pledge or a choice that preaches the gospel in a particular way. The three evangelical councils that come to us through the tradition are poverty, chastity, and obedience. Now these are voluntary renunciations of wealth, of pleasure, or family, if you'd like to do that, and of power or control or freedom. Now think about the things that our society is obsessed with. The things that we tell people will make them happy. Kids hear all the time, well, in order to be happy, you have to get rich. Your whole goal in life is to get rich. So when somebody renounces riches and says, I won't own anything, that's going to get your attention. Because it's so opposite what everybody else is doing or saying. The same is true with obedience. You hear all the time, well, you're only happy if you're free. You will only be happy when you move out of your parents' house and can do whatever you want. If nobody else tells you what to do, that's when you're going to be happy. So when somebody says, I renounce my freedom, I will live in perfect obedience to the church. I will not make any major life decisions for myself, but I will do whatever my superior tells me to do. That's going to get your attention. Because it goes against everything society is saying will make us happy. And then with chastity, think how obsessed our society is with what we would call the sins of the flesh. How much our children are told that's their only path to happiness. And the sooner they engage in those activities, the better they're going to be. When somebody renounces all of that and says, for the sake of the Lord, I won't have any of it in my life. That's going to get your attention because it goes against the major influences. And these are not things that are just present in American society. These have been evangelical councils for more than a millennia because these are constant temptations in the lives of human beings. The evangelical councils only work, though, if the person who lives them out is happy. Because what we're saying is that you don't need those things to be happy. I don't need freedom. I don't need sins of the flesh, or even, I don't even need a family. I don't need wealth to be happy. The Lord will fulfill me. And so it preaches the gospel because it says there is something greater than those things here. And it requires supernatural grace because naturally everybody should have a family. Naturally everybody should work, should gain some form of wealth to support their family. Naturally everybody should have in their human dignity freedom. To renounce those things is impossible for a human being, but not for God. And it preaches the gospel, if we can have people in our midst, lives those counsels out in a dedicated, public way. Even though they didn't have the term evangelical counsels at the time of the apostles, 
they knew under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what was good for the church. And so last year, a year and a half ago, I read a 600-page book on priestly celibacy. And it went through all of the documents that we have for the first 650 years of the church writing about priestly celibacy. From the ancient church fathers, all of the bishops, all of the councils, from every section of the church, North Africa, Persia, the Levant, South Europe, all of those places, every document we have is in this book. And I read every single one of those documents. And it's hard to miss in those documents that from the beginning, priests were celibate. But they meant a slightly different thing by that word. Priests were chosen from both married and unmarried men. St. Peter was married, absolutely. But from the beginning, those priests, once they were ordained, were expected to live as though they did not have wives. In the earliest centuries of the churches, they were expected to separate from their wives. The priest would go off and be ordained, and the wife, I assume they talked this out ahead of time, the wife would go and live in a convent or in the early monastic communities. And this is the way it was in the church for 600 years, to the point that they stopped calling. It was fewer and fewer married men who were called to the priesthood, because it was hard. That's a hard renunciation to make. So it was easier to call men who were not married, to the point that by the 1100s and the Gregorian reforms, they say, well, now it's not even an option. Now you can only call never married men to the priesthood. But from the beginning, the priests were living the evangelical council. From the beginning, they were living as priests as though they did not have wives. Because the church in her wisdom, under the Holy Spirit, knew that it preached the gospel in a powerful way. That they had more spiritual efficacy somehow by living that out. Very much based on our second reading from St. Paul. He says, An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. I want to be clear, this is not to say that priests are holier than those who are married. It is not to say that. Holiness is proportional to sacrifice and devotion. And I know plenty of married people who make greater sacrifices for the Lord than I do, who are more devoted to the Lord than I am. But I can tell you that my anxieties, when I have them, are anxieties about the Lord. That I am constantly anxious about this parish and her people, about how to lead this community closer to Christ. The things that keep me up at night, the things that wake me up in the middle of the night, that don't let me go back to sleep. They are related to the Lord and His work and His church in a way that I'm sure married people have those anxieties about their children or their spouses, about the things that they have to do to make their families flourish. Both holy orders and marriage are sacraments. Both of them are the presence of Christ. Both of them bring holiness. This is not a difference in holiness. But it is saying that for the priests to be celibate, they can be anxious about the things of the Lord, and that is good for the church. The final main point I want to make is that this is all about love. A priest of our diocese puts it very wonderfully in a book that he wrote called The Celibacy Man. He says, celibacy is not primarily about a sacrifice, although that sacrifice does preach the gospel. Celibacy is primarily about a different form of love. 
Married love, again, it is sacramental, it is beautiful, it brings the presence of Christ. Married love is focused love. All of the love of a person is poured out into one individual. And through that come children, and that love is diffused to the children. But it is still a very focused, in a sense, of partisan love. You would expect a spouse to defend their spouse in public, because that's who they are giving their life to. Celibate love, on the other hand, is a broad love. A priest gets into trouble when he favors certain parishioners over others, when he makes himself more available to certain people than other people. Instead, the promise of celibate love, the joy of celibate love, is that it is available to all people. We have 1,100 people come through here on a Sunday. And my job as the only priest is to try to be available to all of them. And that requires that my love not be focused on any single individual, although as people go through crises, sometimes they need to spend more time with some people than others. But it requires that I be a priest for all of our parishioners. And celibate love allows me to do that. It allows me to be in a loving relationship with everybody under my care. This is not unique to the priests. I spent all of last week with two religious sisters on Shaw Island. They also live out that celibate love, and I can tell you, it radiates from them. Their radical availability, their ability to love whoever is in front of them at that moment. We have lost so much by the loss of the religious orders in our midst. You should have this love for more than just your parish priest. We need nuns, we need sisters, we need brothers. We need this celibate love in abundance in our communities because you deserve to know that there are people out there who are ready and available to walk with you, to pray with you. Celibacy is a gift of the church. And today the Catholic Church is almost the sole representative of this gift in the world. But the world needs it desperately. The world needs the message that happiness can be available through Christ alone. The world needs the message that there are people out there ready and available to love whoever is put in front of them with the same love they would give anybody else who comes in front of them. This is something that our world is severely lacking, and we can see the loss of it as society crumbles and divides. My hope for us as a community is twofold. One, that we should give thanks for this gift. A lot of people will come up to me and they'll say, Father, I wish priests could get married. And I'm just more and more responding with, well, I don't. This is a discipline. We see in the history of the church, after the 600s, exceptions to this rule, beginning with the eastern churches and then spreading in very small cases to the Western Church. We make exceptions, for example, for Lutherans who convert to Catholicism, but who are a priest and can be ordained a Catholic priest. But I want us to celebrate this as a gift, as something that should be guarded, as something that should be valued. I would not get married if the Church let me do it, because I think that celibacy is necessary for the Church and the world. I think it is my superpower as a priest, and it's the thing that allows me to be loving for everybody who comes in my path. I want us to value and to celebrate and give thanks to God for this gift, wherever it may be found, in the priests or the religious.
Second, I want to encourage parents and children, as children discern a vocation, give to them the idea that celibate love is a beautiful choice and a beautiful option. Most of the time when men are considering the priesthood, the parents' main objection is, I don't know if you can be happy if you're not married. I don't know if you can be happy if you don't have kids. Tell them that both forms of love are beautiful, that married love is a gift to the world, and celibate love is a gift to the world. It's not something to be skeptical of. It's not something to be fearful of. It's something to be celebrated when the Lord puts that call in somebody's life. I hope that we can call our young men and our young women to the religious life, to the priesthood, to the celibate love that those two show to the world. I hope that our children know that that's an option, and it's a beautiful option, and it's one that we desperately need more of.